Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fart Fetish Podcast once again. The Fart Fetish Podcast is where we seek to find the answer to, what is fart fetish? Where might it come from? How is it enjoyed? And what are the people like who have this fetish, as well as other fetishes too? We do this on every first Friday of the month, on almost all major podcast platforms, and at fartfetishpodcast.com. You can also enjoy erotic fart stories, captions, and videos at thefartcloset.com and support the podcast at the same time. That's thefartcloset.com. And now I'd like to introduce Ruby Red to the podcast. Ruby is a longtime fart and scat content creator who started out with the website College Girls Pooping. But Ruby is more than just a fetish model and content creator as we talk a bit about her advocacy and activism work as well as some of the difficulties in the adult content space like platform censorship and credit card processor obscenity guidelines. We also get into topics like content theft, self-acceptance, and reverse parasocial relationships. There's so much in this episode, so let's get right to the Fart Fetish Podcast. Thanks very much for being here, Ruby Red. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so most people know me as Ruby or Ruby Farts, also as Ruby Stone. And many people have found me through my content creation and fetish modeling. But I'm also an activist. I'm an advocate. I'm a manager for a harm reduction organization in Nevada. And I'm soon to be a graduate student. I'm also an artist. And I deeply identify with having autism and ADHD. That's that's amazing. That's really great. Can I ask you... Um... I mean, I assume it may be uh, more work in the in the area of self-harm, but what kind of things do you uh, – uh, are you an activist for, if I may ask? Um. Oh, this is pretty broad. So I've done activist work for sex workers and sex trafficking victims, people with substance use disorder, or people who are addicted to opiates or fentanyl, or including fentanyl. And then I've also done a lot of advocacy work for sex workers and trafficking victims as well with a former organization. Sure. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. It's, it's not only do you have, uh, or, or are using your, your, your platform that you have for a lot of representation, um, for people to, to see themselves perhaps mirrored, um, in, in your, in what you do, what your work, but your advocacy, your, your activist work is, is also quite incredible, very necessary, um, unfortunately, but I'm glad, I'm glad someone like you is taking it on. You may have said, uh, this, but have you, you always gone under the name Ruby Red and, and about how long have you been doing this type of work? Okay. So it's quite a, uh, twist and turn sort of story, but I joined Reddit about eight years ago and I had red hair for the longest time. So that's kind of how Ruby Redhead came about. And red has two Ds like to signal towards Reddit. And originally I had started with college girls pooping. And that's, that's quite some time ago, like 2010. But I also did webcamming starting in 2017 under the name Ruby Redhead. And it kind of, it started from there and the rest is history. But um, I ended up connecting with old fans of College Girl Pooping through webcamming through a couple of years. So it was really interesting to be able to reconnect with people and actually not know how much content had been pirated from um, the time I was working with CGP. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think we know pretty i mean at this point ready pretty readily we've talked about it on the show especially too uh i imagine content theft uh or content reposting it um it's pretty rampant it's pretty like oh it's almost like an economy in itself i would say what do you what do you feel about that yes that latter part especially bothers me when i'm thinking about people who run telegram channels and even there's some subreddits that encourage the sharing or reposting of content and I was kind of shocked when I saw somebody, um, well, one of the most popular people who recently <laughs> was given um, charges was Nightgast. He had a massive Telegram channel, and I believe he was charging $10 to join something. I might be wrong on the fee, but just thinking about how many hundreds, if not thousands of people joined his Telegram channel, he 
probably was doing it as a full-time job. I can only assume, but it's hard when you put so much effort into something and you're proud of it and you're putting it out there and it gets stolen. It definitely makes you feel shitty. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine that completely. And it's probably, um, this ties into my next question, but it probably goes completely like it fights against the reasons why you probably got into making content in the first place. Yeah. Which, what, what inspired you to start? Like, why did you, um, why did you want to start making content, especially in the more taboo areas that you, uh, you've explored in, in fetish and scat and, and perhaps farting as well? Should I start back with the original content from college girls pooping? I'm um, sure if that, if that, uh, makes sense to you. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because I feel like there's almost been two, um, like two attempts at this career path in a way. So I was very young. I had just turned 18. I had found um, an advertisement on the adult gig section of Craigslist. And this ended up being my work with college girls pooping. And I think it has to do with not necessarily an inspiration, but the opportunity presented itself and I grabbed it. I was not ashamed to fart or poop or do any of these things on camera. And so it wasn't necessarily the type of content or the taboos that interested me. I was actually um, in cosmetology school and looking to make some extra money and thought, wow, this is really amusing. This is funny. I can't believe people think this is sexy. Like, this is just me being me. And if that's sexy, okay, cool. And that was, that was the first leg of this, so to speak. And then 2017 is when I had started webcamming under that name, Ruby Redhead. But I switched from Chatterbait to Streammate. And something that's different about Streammate or when you're working for a Streammate studio is they have thousands of affiliate links. So your your webcam room is floating on pages like Pornhub and things like that. And so people started coming into my room saying, are you that Ruby? Oh my gosh. And I didn't know what they meant because yes, I'm Ruby, but what do you mean? And they were referring to all the pirated content on Pornhub. Um, and that's when I started getting requests in my webcam room, like, can you fart? Can you do a private show and fart for me right now? Or even people asking me to use the toilet on camera, which that part was against the terms of service on StreamMate. But eventually I got tired of StreamMate taking a huge chunk. They take, I believe, 65% and the studio took additional. Might be wrong on those numbers, but it's a lot. And this is also around the same time that OnlyFans started growing as a platform. And so I figured if I'm getting these requests and all of these people actually liked this work that I did back in 2010, why not get back into it? Um, because on webcam, I was already doing a really vast variety of shows and kind of switchy, but most of them had to do with female domination of all the different types. And so ever since I left the webcam studio and really started working for myself, I've enjoyed my work more. I've enjoyed my engagement with my fans more. And then there is there is something about connecting over taboos, right? Because sometimes taboos make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Something about you is less than than other people. But when you get to connect with somebody else who has the same uh, taboo or fetish, it's a special type of connection. It's really meaningful. So I know that was sort of a long-winded reply, but my ability to reconnect with fans and directly engage with them is what really made me interested on this second part of this career, so to say. That's awesome. And not at all. No, no apologies needed. That was a, a, an amazing look at, at some of your past and history. It sounds like something we've talked about on this show before too. It sounds like you really embrace the uh, only only fans platform as the two way conversation. It's not like you're just. It's not like selling clips on a clips for sale where people buy it. You never maybe hear from them. They might say, "Oh wow, this is a great video," but it's not really really a conversation or it's not something you're 
you know, having this uh, engagement, as it were, with certain, maybe not every fan, but certain fans where you can actually relate to their fetishes and maybe even some personal things. Is that, would, would that ring true to your ear? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. That's awesome. That's really great. Because, I mean, I'm I'm not someone who's generally on OnlyFans, so I'm not as familiar with the um, the culture over there. I've, I, you know, I grew up more with the clips for sale model of just, you know, buying and, and dealing in the commerce space. So the fact that OnlyFans is a little more uh, engaging um, with the, uh, with the con with the creators, um, I think is really great. I love it for the ability to connect. I just wish that the terms of service uh, weren't so strict on the communications aspect, because even if you're trying to have a normal communicate, uh, normal conversation, it can be tricky trying to figure out which word isn't allowed because it simply pops up with a warning that in the message, there's words that aren't allowed, but it won't tell you. So um, it's a great way to connect with people, but I often tell them where they can message me where there's not censorship. Yeah. That's a very good point because even even uh, you know setting up for this interview, we uh, we ran into some problems trying to communicate about uh, the type of questions we wanted to ask and just in general uh, about the show. So yeah, I definitely um, agree with you there. Going back a bit to the um, well, kind of your comfortability around like farting and scat content. Do you have an idea of where uh, that comfortability came from? I think a lot of people who have come on the show. Ex expressed like an idea that they had a household um, where farting and scatting was maybe not uh, as taboo or perhaps it was humorous. Um, did you grow up in a household like that or do you have another origin for why uh, farting and scatting maybe is not taboo so much for you? Uh, my household definitely fell into that category a little bit more specifically. I'm grateful that I was um, raised mostly by my single father. My mother was in my life, but my uh, childhood was mostly in his home. And so at home, I was allowed to burp and fart, maybe even encouraged as long as I uh, was, you know, disciplined and ladylike in public. Uh, me and my dad even had a fart game that we played in public, but it was more like shouting out the car window when one of us farted and we would blame it on each other. So I would fart and I would say, ha ha ha, my dad farted and yell it out the window. He would do the same to me. One day I took it a little too far. And I decided to do this into the grocery store <laughs> or inside the grocery store. And I remember being in the frozen section and there was another woman at the other end of the frozen section. For some reason, I decided to yell that my dad had farted. And he glared at me, grabbed my hand and took me out of the grocery store. And he stopped playing that game with me. But yeah, at home, I was still absolutely farting and stuff like that, just like he was. And then funny side note, less than 30 minutes ago, my dad actually sent me a fart meme. So when I'm posting memes on social media, I'd say about every other time I've gotten that meme from my dad. Wow. That's really, that's awesome. That every part of that story was great because I think, I mean, I think that's, that's what I think a lot of people wish for, whether they, you know, of any gender or, or expression, I think a lot of people um, who have this fetish, obviously, really either, you know, especially appreciate their their upbringing that maybe had that or or wish they had something like that, whether it be with family, um, camaraderie with friends in, in that kind of way. There's a yearning for that normalization. So to hear your kind of uh, real normal farting, uh, you know, in life, in your in your day to day, it's pretty that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty awesome to hear. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that it's considered a taboo by most people because I don't feel like it's a taboo. And that, like, again, I love engaging with people and just connecting with them. And Yeah, that's really awesome. Do you um, I, I looked at your content, I, I got but I also tend to look for more dominating content because uh, that tends to be my uh, preference. Do you do mostly dominating content or more girlfriend experience, a mixture? Um, and do you have a personal preference in the type of content you you prefer making? I'd say a mixture, but there are some nuances to it. So for example, um, most of my videos are customs. 
And especially the girlfriend experience ones, I have a few regulars who um, I'm very grateful for them. They've ordered half a dozen customs or so. I really like that specifically because it's like a parasocial relationship um, flipped. So it's almost like I know this person really intimately in a way that I don't know most other fans, if that makes sense. Like usually a parasocial relationship is towards the person you're following. So um, I don't have the verbiage to really describe it better than that. But I also greatly enjoy making dominating content because I found that I really liked that when I started webcamming. So various types of female domination I'm really into. So to sum it up, a mixture. As far as preference, I struggle with that because I think I go back and forth with preferences. Like sometimes I'm really enjoying making fart videos but I've also recently been able to film a lot more toilet sessions and I'm, I'm really all about that right now. Nice. Nice. Well, that's very cool. That's I'm sure, I'm sure the, the fans are, are definitely into that, that are uh, enjoy that experience. Cause I think that may be one of the more, certainly you can find content, but it's probably not nearly as vast as maybe farting and then farting, not as vast as um, other other kinks as well. So I'm sure you're catering to a very um, small but appreciative niche and maybe not even as small as I think even. Correct. It's bigger than I realized. And I've been back for about three years now. And I just keep having these realizations that it's way more common than most of us think. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I did want to comment too on your flipped parasocial relationship. I think that's a great way to put it. I've never even thought about that um, cause that's essentially what I was asking earlier with the, the two way conversation with the only fans, um, uh, fans and yeah, flipped parasocial relationship. That makes a lot of sense. That's really, that's a really great term. I would definitely keep a pin in that for, for future reference. Cause I think that's really great in terms of domination. What is your, uh, What's your favorite aspect of that? Is it a, a verbal part, a physical part? Is it watching the struggle or the joy? Um, something else? Eye contact is the thing that comes to mind first. It's really huge for me as far as creating intense emotional or physical pleasure. So <laughs> I'll just give an example. If you're familiar with butter cupping where you fart into your two hands, you cup your hands, you throw it into somebody's face. That's butter cupping in case the listeners did not know I like butter cupping somebody who's for example laying down in the hotel we're in and I could place my hands over their mouth and their nose and stare into their eyes while they're breathing it in or um a toilet sub and I'm needing to maybe force feed them they need to lick my fingers while I'm staring into their eyes so eye contact is extremely intense for me um but I also do get a real kick out of uh, like face smothering and sitting on top of people and seeing their legs start to kick when they can't handle it. I can't help but laugh in those moments. Uh, sometimes somebody is about to tap out because they do actually need to breathe. And sometimes people are just really shocked by how intense the smell is when it's that direct from the source. So eye contact and watching people struggle. I don't want to use aroused as a general term because I feel like it does something more intense than just physical arousement. Like I said, it's, it's emotional, emotional and mental too. Oh, and um, recently after I had finished a human toilet session, I was telling him how much um, I enjoyed my time with him. And he was telling me he enjoyed observing my pupils like dilate or change in size when I was um, holding eye contact for a duration. Wow. That is amazing. That's really, that's really awesome. And I can imagine the, the, you, you said the intensity, I can imagine the intensity of, uh, of like deep eye contact like that, especially in like uh, the, the cupping idea you mentioned, I can imagine the expressions you see, maybe a wide variety is quite, um, quite something to observe and, and maybe even absorb as well um, in those experiences. 
yeah, the range of responses that, yeah, that's also something I really enjoy while I'm dominating. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Do you have any fetishes that are like explicitly part of you and your enjoyment? And and maybe it's these, these fetishes that you do for, uh, for your content. Like, is there a kink that you'd practice even if you weren't making content, I guess is another way to put that question. Absolutely. Um, locally in Las Vegas, I'm mostly known as a top with people I'm very close with. I am a switch, but I feel like it is part of me. Like that's part of who I am. Um, and I didn't know if I was supposed to answer this question in the way of what enjoyment I'm getting out of sessions, or if you are asking for maybe unrelated fetishes. Um, either one is actually a, a great answer. I was at originally asking for unrelated fetishes, but I really like the nuance you took with the with the first um, with the first approach you had to this question. Okay, so as far I'm going to first let you know about things that I've incorporated into sessions that are my personal fetish, but I also get to connect with these people because oftentimes many people aren't just into one fetish. There's a whole long laundry list. So I really am into breath play, both receiving and giving. And so that's really easy to incorporate when I'm face sitting or holding my hands over somebody's mouth and nose, for example. It's not just the physical aspect of it, but you get almost a euphoric feeling um, from participating in breath play. I would want to say this is something you need to do with something, someone you trust. You know, it's one of the more riskier things to be doing in the kink world. But when you're not breathing for maybe 30 to 60 seconds under the control of somebody else, and then you're able to breathe again, it's like a rush of euphoria or something. It's such a cool experience. Um, I'm also really into nylon and pantyhose. Anyone who's been familiar with my tattoos that I've had since I was 18, I have uh, nylon seams tattooed up the back of my legs, but I enjoy wearing them. I enjoy, um, for example, stretching the butt part and getting somebody's head in there. It's kind of funny to do, but once the head is entrapped between like your legs and the pantyhose, it's really awesome. And then I'm also just really into impact scenes. So that includes uh, paddling, flogging, spanking, and things of that sort. And I haven't gotten to do a lot of impact play within a scene, but I have used various restraints and things like that. And then it's hard for me, I guess, to answer a kink that I'd want to practice, even if I wasn't making content. Because for me, the kink things I was doing locally led me into making content. Maybe for other people, it's vice versa. They get interested in content, then they want to do it with their partner or they want to hire a professional. Um, I think that's why I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm like hung up on just one word of this. Absolutely. Well, let me say from my perspective, like, I mean, I, I've not talked to too many content creators, a few, but in like, you know, asking for customs or what have you, or, or just seeing how people market themselves, you get a sense that sometimes, and maybe you can speak to this in, in maybe your travels and speaking to other creators perhaps is you don't know who is actually, or if anyone who is making content for this fetish is actually into it or more just okay with having it as part of their repertoire, which both are okay. There's definitely um, valid, I guess, reasons for both exploration. But listening to you and some of your like creative ideas and, and just the passion you speak to um, speak about with this kind of subject matter, yeah, I think it's clear to me anyways, at least from my perspective, that you seem to really enjoy the, you wouldn't, you don't seem to do kinks that you don't, enjoy anyways. I mean, maybe you do, but from, from the way you're speaking, it definitely seems like you really get into 
uh, these kinks that you do for, you know, whether it was was local or is local still uh, or make content with them. And that's pretty cool if if uh, if that's how you feel about it. Thank you. Um, I have a strong sense of like justice and ethics, and it's totally fine if somebody wants to do this just for the money. I mean, there's a huge industry of content creators and porn, but I do enjoy it. And I sometimes have tried to place myself in the mindset of what if I didn't get enjoyment or amusement out of this? Would I still do this for money? And I don't think so, because there's a lot of things that you cannot pay me to do in life. Like you could offer me $10 million and I probably still wouldn't do it just because of just because money is involved doesn't mean that I will do it. And I want to share something kind of funny. There's a video I've never released, and I would prefer to not be contacted about it because I don't even want to go looking for it. I was asked to fart on a goldfish. Um and I'll never do that again. At the time, I thought, hmm, this is sort of a weird request. I haven't done something like this. Uh, I don't really want to hurt an animal. But I did it. I finished the custom. I delivered it. I just never posted it because I don't feel good about it. And I don't want to release something I don't feel good about, even if it's super niche and might make me a quick buck or a bunch of money. Um, and... The reason this is actually so funny, let me take a breath. I still have the goldfish 13 months later. <laughs> and this goldfish cost me 33 cents. The custom was commissioned at, I believe, $200, $250. Anyways, their entire tank setup and everything inside cost me $250. So I hope that the fish doesn't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now I have two goldfish. I ended up getting him a friend. So I have a goldfish named Cheez-It, who is the one that I farted on. And then I have another goldfish named Parmesan that <laughs> has never been farted on. Sure. Those are great. I feel like I'm still, like this is such a skeleton sort of story. Like I've never told anyone. No, but <laughs> I, I I mean I cert I certainly appreciate I'm sure people will appreciate, it. especially, you know, it's it is it, I think it's it's a great human story. I, I'd often talk about the show about kind of our differences between being people and being human. And I won't get too far along on this, but I really believe in like, you know, there's certainly aspects of, you know, becoming a society or whatever, becoming people, in other words, that makes sense, you know, wearing clothes in public and this and that. Um, maybe all make sense for, you know, consent and, and what have you. The idea though that the further we drift from kind of the more human aspects we we had you know when we were just you know people of the land as it were i think it reminds us that we each have great things about us and we each have bad things or things we'd like to put in our past and it's just accepting and embracing those things because you know no one person not me not you not anyone listening is all all light energy and all dark energy it's we're all a mixture of of energy and just accepting who we are and and forgiving ourselves and and having others forgive us or what have you whatever the situation may be i think it's part of our our growth and part of our human experience absolutely and it starts with self acceptance the more you accept yourself the more you can accept others even if they're very different from you absolutely absolutely do you find your audience is mostly uh, already fetishes, like fart and scat fetishes, which I imagine is the case? Or have you found people that come in, maybe intrigued by your content, your style, um, and find themselves exploring uh, some of these more taboo kinks that they might not have before? Up until recently, I think I had an assumption or observation, maybe a combination, that my audience was all fart and scat fetishes. Um, and even though when I was webcamming, I was doing a bigger variety because I've lost multiple Twitters. Now I really am just focused in on fart and scat content. And so that's why I observe that most people who are following me these days are into those fetishes. But I got an email last week and it 
it made me feel so good. And it gave me um, a new perspective to who might be watching. So I had a gentleman reach out over email and he, I believe that the Vice documentary on um, Cassie Scott, he somehow stumbled upon that. He watched that, decided to go to Femscat, and um, for, I think, four months, for July, August, September, nope, that's three months, um, I've been in the top 10 on Femscat. So, like, when you log onto the page, you see me. So then he found me, went through my store, and I'm assuming he bought some videos because he shared with me that he was never interested in it. But he decided to buy some of my videos through finding me through how I just described. And he said that my like my personality and my artistic flair made him really enjoy content that he would have never previously thought about purchasing. So now I know that there are people out there who are intrigued by um, this content. And I'm wondering how I can cater to them. Like if I can maybe do some videos that are more mild or I'm not sure. But now that I know about that group that's out there, I'm interested in them too. That's wild. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's really great. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that as well. Like I, I asked just as a... Um you know, just, just a curiosity and to hear that even more specific experience, that's pretty wild that, and awesome. That's really awesome. Um, I think a lot of people wouldn't expect it, especially with a, I guess the word heavy could come into play a, a pretty particularly heavy kink or fetish such as scat, which kind of ties into this in a way we talked a bit about only fans being restrictive around language using used in chat. Um, have you run into any unique problems or controversies in trying to produce or release the content that you do? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up OnlyFans because I have two pages. One of them is an archive and the other one is my free page. The free page is the one that I'm using. It's the one I'm posting on. Um, and the other one I've pretty much abandoned um, I've had a few random people subscribe to it at the $50 mark, which was supposed to be a deterrent, but it does have a good amount of content on there. So it's not like they're paying for nothing. The reason I no longer log into that one is everything was going great. I was even maybe selling videos I wasn't supposed to through OnlyFans. Um, they don't allow any scout content. And then one day I logged in and I had dozens of warnings and that just continued for months every time I would log in I could not do anything until I marked that I had read all of these messages and they remove things that go against the terms of service so whether it's a message that you sent with naughty words of some kind or a video that you've posted for sale they'll just pull it down if it's against the terms of service but eventually if you get too many warnings you get this pop-up and it's sort of like your last final warning and you're agreeing that you've also read that. So I abandoned that OnlyFans have been using my free page for a year and a half. So far, knock on wood, I have not gotten a single warning. But back to me and you trying to set this up, it shocked me that I can no longer even type out the word poop. I cannot use the poop emoji. And so... I've I've been lucky on this second OnlyFans page. Very grateful for that. But there's plenty of models who have experienced things being taken down or getting warnings against things that are totally fine. And what I do know about OnlyFans is they mostly use AI to um, filter through everything. It's not an actual person reviewing every single video. So they they make a lot of mistakes. But getting to answering your question, it it's really hard to communicate sometimes because of their terms of service and how many words that they're limiting. But it's happening to all platforms. So 
these problems, if you or the listeners don't know, the terms of service are related to credit card processors. So really the problem lies within Visa and MasterCard deciding what is and is not obscene. And it's hard because there is more and more legislation being created to limit what we can do online. And a lot of people are um, baited by, oh, we need to save the children. We need to protect the children. But these laws are not good for anybody. So the unique problems as far as communicating or posting this kind of content, I can't directly blame on OnlyFans. I know that it goes back to Visa, MasterCard, PayPal. And these things have been going on for a long time. And to quickly tie back... What I'm going to graduate school for is I'm a social worker, but I don't want to work one-on-one. I want to be in community practice, and I want to start changing legislation on a local and state level. And so everything I'm doing in life kind of ties into me and my fans or anybody having that freedom to actually do the consensual activities they're agreeing on with the other adult. Um, it's very interesting that we have this entire society and life built on money, but that money we cannot spend freely. So that's probably the biggest problem. And as far as controversy, I can't really think of anything I've ever been involved in. I just notice how many... I don't even know what to call them besides a scammer. But sometimes they're men, sometimes they're women, and they're just ripping off other creators' farts. They're dubbing their farts. They're using fart machines, all kinds of stuff like this. Um, and it sucks because it has a negative effect on fans and models. Um, there's a sense of trust that is lost on the fan side, but that could be mitigated by making sure the model you're dealing with is verified. And then that creates an issue when these fans who have a sense of distrust are coming to people who are verified and saying, look, I trust you, but I've been ripped off, so I'm not willing to send the deposit. And it's tough because I I can't hold dates or I can't even um, create a, a line or a queue of people who are requesting customs until I actually have the payment. So... It sucks that that situation is created by dishonest people who people who spend so many hours creating this fake content or trying to um, scam people, they could be spending the same amount of time recording their farts and posting it. So that's something that really does bother me. Absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And I think, yeah, it's a um, at best. Um, not making it right, but at best, I think it's a thoughtlessness in terms of uh, treating, you know, models, content creators like people instead of just a backdrop to, you know, whether it be dub or what have you, uh, content. So that makes that makes perfect sense, and it really, I think, that's a that's a great thing to make people aware of of the really how both sides, um, both the model and the fan are hurt by this type of uh deception and and scamming. So yeah, I really I'm really glad you you spoke to that because I think it is really um important and really making it better will definitely improve the business. I don't know if there's that's a too idealistic, but hopefully we can uh, achieve that as as you know more people become aware. Yeah. And then I also just realized that there are some unique problems because this fetish, well, both fart and scat, rely on the foods you're eating or the way you're preparing yourself. And so I've learned to space out my orders, whether they're shippables or uh, digital customs. Because if you're trying to, for example, fill an order every single day of the week or how often you poop, for example, if one day you're off, that just seems to have a domino effect of like, oh, no, I didn't poop today. Now I'm going to be behind on this order. So the unique problem of having this fetish is you could only fart or shit so much in one day. 
And some people, I don't know if they're used to the Brazilian girls and really excessive pumping for like 45 minutes, but whether it's a custom or in a session, I've had multiple requests like, please eat whatever you can. I want you to fart consistently for an hour. And some things just aren't possible unless you are doing like crazy things like that. And um, I don't know if it's necessarily a controversy, but it I think it's problematic if a viewer, for example, is not watching a variety of fart models. Say they've only watched the Brazilian models and they think that's how women who fart fart. <laughs> like that creates a unique problem because it's just so unrealistic. And then also people who people have wanted me to book longer sessions and they think that I am going to fart all day, every hour out of the day. So the unrealistic expectations that media causes um, is another unique problem. It's yeah, it's, I imagine that's very true. Like I've definitely had um, fart sessions with pro dominatrix, and and you know often been there for four hours, you know eight with them, and uh, we wound up just doing face setting, and there was no farting at all. And you can't. You know, there's nothing that can be. Sa- I mean, you could. You could. You could say like, hey, what 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 the hell? But you know, it's it is a bodily function, so it's hard to like plan it or say like, oh, this is gonna happen. And then uh, another pro dam I had, um, I didn't ask her to do this. I was just, uh, you know, laid out my scene and she uh, then offered to, uh, you know, pump air during that session, which um, it was, it was enjoyable. It wasn't like the, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for a more serious dom experience. That's also maybe like uh, incorporates like, odor and this and that and that wasn't that but my point of bringing that up is uh yes you're 100 percent right that being aware of one some of the production tricks that are used to you know either produce a lot of farts or make it seem like there's a lot of farts happening in a short amount of time um through editing yes it it, it would definitely be better for both the creator and the and the fan if they were aware of how kind of more natural a a video or or session or what have you can go because yeah it's something you just can't control there's nothing there's really other than like pumping or other kind of uh, uh artificial means i suppose there's really no way to essentially be what the what the brazilian farting girls or or any of that show in their in their content and some people they really don't like that they um you know they prefer natural farts the smell is more what does it for them i think the people who really like the brazilian style videos i'm guessing they're more into the sound but that's kind of an assumption um and then yeah like you said editing it's it's huge So I've had conversations setting up in-person sessions where they're telling me, these are my two favorite videos. I want you to dress like this, fart like this. And I, I don't mean to like spoil the illusion of anything, but sometimes when I'm doing customs, they're filmed over two days and like, it's an editing trick, right? I just put on the same clothes and I'm probably focusing more on butt shots or I put my makeup on like the same exact way, like. Sometimes I am filming a custom over two days, and I'm sorry if that ruins the illusion for anybody, but unless somebody specifically is asking me to pump, I have a one person in Texas that I've done a session with once, and they requested pumping. And so I was happy to cater to him because he wanted that request. But also, I just... I know my body well enough and I've also been diagnosed with IBS. So I kind of feed into what's wrong with my body sometimes or not what's wrong with my body. I just have digestive issues, which is super common um, with people who are neurodivergent. And I have figured out how to manipulate my body, but 
another unique problem I just thought about is I feel like I'm becoming tolerant to inulin. And that was something reliable for me if I didn't have a big enough appetite or like something like that. But I had two massive scoops a few hours before a session the other day and I felt like it didn't really do anything. Like I was farting normally and I was trying to increase the volume because it was an overnight, but I felt like what was coming through was representative of the foods that I had ate. So even when you're choosing things to manipulate your body, um, I think your body can get tolerant to them. So one of the few tricks I have left is sugar-free gummy bears. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Sugar-free uh, candy is definitely the one uh, I was most aware of outside of the like pumping aspect, which kind of ties into uh, what I was going to ask um, as we as we're getting toward the end here. Uh, you do content and as I understand, offer in-person sessions. Can you tell me what type of a uh, fan you like to see contact you? How do they act? How do they approach? Um, what is that like? I like it when people are direct. So in their first message, I do need to know what they're interested in. Hey messages are the worst for me because I'm getting dozens of messages, DMs, emails across platforms every day. So if I have to sift through these messages, I'm absolutely going to respond to the people who say, hey, do you sell video bundles? Hey, how do I book a session? things like that, I'm going to respond efficiently and get to those immediately. If it's a hey message, I've responded to those in a variety of ways. Um, I'm really aware of how messages burn me out more than sessions and creating content. And so what I've done recently is I'm answering 20 messages a day. And if you happen to, I feel like you happen to like, email me again, then I'm restarting the next day with those 20 messages. Um, so I do also like it when people are very curious. If they have multiple questions, please put them all in the same message or the same email versus shooting them off one by one. It also just allows me to get back to people faster. So people who are direct and upfront, that helps me out the most. And I've met so many different people through sessions that I don't have like a type of person, but I do enjoy when people are confident about what they want and they're able to communicate it. Cause there's been a few times towards the end of a session and we're having a conversation and something is mentioned. And I say, Hey, if I knew that I could have prepared for that. An example being, some people want to smell farts, but not a dirty ass. Some people want to smell a dirty ass and fart. So if I knew for this particular session that I should have skipped a shower, I maybe could have provided him a little bit more enjoyment. So I just want people to know that um, I'm not judgmental. You can really bring anything to me. And if I can't cater to it, maybe I can recommend somebody who can, but just don't be afraid to ask for what you want. And please do it beforehand so that your um, dom or model can prepare the best experience for you. That's really great. That's really great to hear because I mean, even from my own experience and, and wanting to uh, do these sessions, I've definitely been forthright or, or, or forthcoming about what I wanted. But in terms of asking someone to like be smelly or not shower, for instance, it seems almost too invasive. So to hear that you, and, and that's maybe not be the case with every person who offers sessions, but to still hear that you do just want to hear the, um, hear the fantasy. Cause that, that's a good point about that is then that gives you the the opportunity to say like, yeah, I can do that. I, I can actually offer that or, or no, like that's unfortunately something I can't. And you even said like, maybe there's someone I can refer you to uh, that can, which is really awesome. Like I really, the way you speak about this, um, even if it is, you know, quote unquote, a business, I really appreciate your, your really seriousness about, I guess trying to deliver or give the best experience to uh, the fan, even if that may not be um, with you this this time with this fetish or with this kink or with this specific nuance. Uh, I think that's really admirable. That's really great that you're 
I don't know, it's a weird way to say it, but like part of this team of of people who are, you know, um, offering experiences or, or or giving experiences to people rather than just like, you know, I'm in it for me and I'm just in it for for my own um my own financial gain or 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 pleasure or what have you. And you also sell a like fart jars, stinky socks, panties, more stuff like that. What would you say is your most popular shippable? Um, I would say that dirty panties, more specifically skid mark and shark panties and full loads are my most popular, which is surprising. I feel like a fart jar is fairly discreet and would be in higher demand, but maybe I just don't know how to promote my shippables to the right crowd. I'm not sure, but right now that's the biggest two things. And like I am in a shipping period right now because I live in Las Vegas. I do not ship between the months between June 1st and September 1st. It's just too hot. And I have a fear of creating a shitty situation and I am being punny, but I am very specific about the way that I ship my goods and it would it would mortify me if I found out that my one day shipping didn't work out and like a poop explosion happened in a warehouse of mail or something. Um, so, yeah, I probably go to the post office once or twice a week. So I really enjoy the shippables, especially when people. I'm not saying I want dick pictures or videos, but I have had a couple of regulars show me what they do with these items. And I always really enjoy that. That's cool. That's very cool. What would you say you like to do when you're, uh, when you're not working on videos or what do you do in your free time? I suppose. When I'm not working and I feel like I, <laughs> I kind of work a lot, but it's the, the social engagement part of it is what makes me want to work so much. So when I'm not doing that, I'd say art is the biggest thing. And I don't have any specific medium. Like I, I love watercolor. I love paint markers. I'm a graffiti artist. And besides art, it kind of goes back to like being an activist and advocate. I work music festivals and I provide education on Narcan and also teach people how to test their drugs for fentanyl. Um, and then I also do outreach in Las Vegas to the homeless communities across the city, providing them Narcan, water, a cigarette, something like that. And I also really like road trips and what are they called? Like when you're on a road trip and you pull off to take pictures with something, um, roadside attractions. Oh, sure. <laughs> it took me a minute to get that one. Um, so, so art traveling and socializing are my favorite things to do. I, um, I don't watch a lot of movies or shows, but I, I read a lot, whether I'm reading journals and articles or books. It's my favorite way to disassociate from the world is to get my nose in a real book. For sure. For sure. What I imagine it's like, I, I, I have no doubt you, the passion you speak of speak with is clear that you enjoy enjoy the work you do. But I imagine, like with as much um, uh, you called it community practice, as much as as work as you do, like I imagine there is is a need to like uh, escape or disassociate, as you said, from the world as well. So so I'm glad you have that uh, that I guess your the you time. Uh, as it were, do you have a do you have an ultimate goal uh, either in this industry or something beyond? I mean, you sound like you have a lot of goals. So <laughs> if you if you had to sum if you had to summarize that of like or or whatever would be the way you would answer that question in in a way that made sense to you, like what what do you see um, for yourself? Yeah, I'd say my ultimate goal ties back into um, what I'm studying as a graduate student. I would like to have a positive effect or help change legislation in a positive direction so that adults who want to meet consensually or adults that want to buy content with their own consent are able to do so without the limitations that the payment processors and platforms enforce. 
So I don't know what that looks like, but that's probably my biggest goal in life. And as I inch closer to that, I'll know what it looks like. And then I do have a, I feel like this is, um, I don't know the word for it, but when you have a dream, you know, is obtainable, but then you have this dream that's just, it's really just a dream, I guess. Anyways, let me get towards that. Um, I'm extremely inspired by Cassie Scott and the way that she has built the Femscat platform. Uh, I've never had a model be so supportive, so kind. She's one of my biggest cheerleaders. I really, I really admire her in so many ways, and I can't even find the words to describe everything that she's done for me. But I think that I have her to thank for a lot of things as far as building myself in this community and reconnecting with old fans and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't want to copy her idea, but I would like to have my own platform someday that is purely just for farts. I don't know of anything out there that's purely just a fart website. I know there's some models that have their individual sites. Um, but if I could, if I could be like Cassie for some fart models, then that would be amazing. But I'd also have to figure out what isn't being offered by platform so that I know I'm offering something that's um, unique or necessary. So those are two of my biggest goals. And um, I feel like in some way I'm going to be in this industry for at least another 10 years, <laughs> bare minimum. Um, but maybe my my uh, entire working life will be built around the sex work industry in some way. That's really awesome. That's really great. It really speaks to you. Again, you're, I've used the word so many times, but your passion about um, everything you're doing here, whether it be the content you make, but also beyond that, the the I don't think the word periphery is right, but the whole culture of of buying content, ensuring that that things are, you know, if people, like you said, I think it was a great way to put it. People have money and they can't spend it freely. We live in this very capitalist system where, you know, money is kind of the, the ruler as it were um, for better or worse. And yet we tell people, oh, you can't spend this. You can't spend it on this. You can't do this. This is illegal. This is that. It's like, as long as people are consenting and people aren't getting hurt, I don't think there should be a big issue with how one spends their own money, whether it be within cash or on a credit card. Honestly, there really shouldn't be these restrictions. And hopefully, yeah, your your hopefully your battle against the payment processors or your um, perhaps circumventing of them, uh, whatever may be the case, goes well because it definitely it just shouldn't be this way. I I cannot thank you enough for for coming on and and talking with with me. This has been not only just great to learn about you, but I've learned so much about the industry. I'm sure some of our fans uh, have as well. Yeah, there's aspects you've talked about that I have not heard before. So I cannot thank you enough for that. My my last question for you actually is is where can people find you on social media or or wherever uh, you uh, you sell content or what have you? Sure. So Miss Ruby Farts M I S S Ruby Farts. Um, that's my tag on Twitter. Uh, OnlyFans. I also started an Instagram. I haven't posted on it, and I will only be posting selfies to prevent any potential ban. So those are the ones I use the most. I do have a Snapchat, Ruby Farts. I ask people not to add it because I don't post on it. I use it to um, to set up sessions and to communicate about custom content and things like that. Um, and then with sharing my social media, I just like to remind people, it's not that I don't want to talk to you, but if you're just saying, hey, I'm probably not going to get to that message and I prefer if it's a compliment to keep it in a comment. So that's just sort of making it clear that my boundary for communication, I want to be contacted, but I 
need you to say what you want or need in the first message. And I like getting compliments, but I just prefer them to be comments on any platform. And then a little caveat or nuance to put with that is I'm an extremely direct speaker. And so I thank you for bringing me on. Like I want people to hear my voice and my enthusiasm and passion because the way that I type or the way that I'm speaking in written communications, I guess doesn't show enough emotion. And some people respond to that in a negative way. And um, I explain that I have autism so that people not like something's wrong with me or I something like that. But just the way that I process information and share information, I guess it's very direct and can lack emotion. But as you can hear, I'm a pretty emotional person. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Emotional, passionate, just, just a, I, I, it's been, it's really been a, a wonderful experience speaking with you and, and, and a delight because yeah, I, I, your your passion is so clear and it's so i don't know perhaps inviting is a word getting a sense of of you in this interview has just been really great thank you for having me